Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you so much for joining me today. You know, a month or so ago, it looked like we were maybe be back to normal this fall by the end of 2021, at least. It seemed that everyone would have the option to go back to business as usual if they wanted. But now we have this new Delta variant of COVID, other concerns about health, and it seems that that's going to be less of an option than we had wanted. So offices are going to be hybrid at best. And we're certainly going to be more dependent on technology than we ever were before. The last year, I think, was kind of like a, a Band-Aid. But now we're settling in for the longer term, deciding you know, what's the long-term best plan, whether we can be back together or not, because we're going to have to be different than we were before. So in all of this, the digital workplace is becoming more important than ever. But what makes an effective digital workplace? Well, my guest today is Neil Miller, and he is the host of the podcast, The Digital Workplace. And Neil talks to leaders about this all the time. He talks to them about what you need to do to create an effective workplace today in terms of a lot of different things, from the best use of technology to creating an inclusive culture. I had a really great conversation with him. Please stay with us to hear it. Well, how do you create an effective workplace in today's environment where we're going back and forth between, are, are we working at home? Is this hybrid? Is everyone going to be all together? It seems like we're not going back to the traditional workspace anytime soon. To talk about what defines a good digital workplace, I'm joined today by Neil Miller. Now, he's host of the podcast Digital Workplace, and he has lots of views on what companies should be doing now. Hi, Neil. Hi, hey, Linda. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks so much for joining me. I have a lot of questions about the topic, but you know, I always start by asking guests about their own career because I don't suppose you started saying you wanted to be a podcaster when you were a little kid. How did you end up doing what you're doing? We had radio hosts, but no podcasters. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I got into uh, podcasting, man, through um, content marketing was like a big thing back in uh, 2014 or so. Um, and I, I was just I was good at writing, but I didn't realize you could like make a career out of that. Um, so I, I got into that, did some consulting with a few other companies, um, and then realized that there's much more to content than just um, articles and, and writing. So started to experiment with other forms of um, of media and found that podcasting was um, a fun way to get to meet people, to get into new locations and get to introduce myself to people. It's one thing to say, like, can I spend a half hour with you um, just to, to meet for coffee? But if you say, can I do a half hour podcast? And a lot of people say yes. So that was a fun way to just meet new people. And you are specialized in this, right? Digital workspaces, leadership, uh, how we can best operate. Yeah. So we, we say we're wanting to look at how we can rebuild work in a digital age. Um, there, there's a lot about work that we've inherited um, from previous generations that we don't have to keep. And now with digital tools, we actually have the ability to drop a lot of that. Um, so th we feel like this is a great time to rethink what it means to work um, and, and how we can build off of that. So yeah, this is a, a time when we like to talk to leaders, ask what they're experimenting with and, and how we can really make work into a better place. How do you define a digital workplace? Uh, a digital workplace is one that has really embraced the, the new tools that are out there in a, in a positive way and, and saying that, okay, we're not just going to keep work as it was um, and just add more technology on top of it where we get into like a digital drudgery type situation. 
but one that actually like elevates the the style of work, elevates what work means to humans, and and really pushes it to a new place, and and takes advantage of what the advantages that digital offers. Okay, so if you're a leader, what are the things that separate the digital workplace from the old style workplace? What are the things you should be doing as a leader as part of this? Yeah, so when you, when you think about being a leader in in the digital workplace, uh, I think the first thing we think about is often like the collaboration aspect. Um, because it's the first thing that that's easiest to transition from the office to a digital space. So that usually means, I mean, earlier we just did it with, with email, you know, before there was no email and then all of a sudden email was everywhere and it was like the king of everything. Um, but we didn't really think about consciously what was happening uh, in the midst of that and how email itself really changed the way we work. It changed the first thing you do when you check in uh, for the day. It changed the the nature of your conversations with people, your expectations on response time, um, taught us things about what we call synchronous versus asynchronous communication as it goes back and forth between the two. Um, so I feel like as, as a leader, um, to really take advantage of the digital workplace is to step back and say, okay, I, I have these tools. Um, like a tool like Slack is out there now that, that's popular. Really, a lot of the, the things that Slack's capable of doing, we've had that technology for a long time. But it's, it's also there to kind of change the way we work as well. Now Slack just kind of has email, but it's super fast and super short and a lot more personality added to it. And you have to step back and think, is this the way that we want our workplace to, to come about? Most digital tools have a bias to them. And it's important for leaders to understand that and to know and to pick the tools that like match with the bias that they want to have. Okay. I know when you talk about the digital workplace and things you've written, you talk about intentionality. Now, what does that mean? I think intentionality is like the starting point of any great um, workplace. Because uh, and a lot of it has, has been revealed through the pandemic as a lot of people have transitioned from physical offices to digital offices. Um, you take something like uh, culture, right? When people talk about, hey, we got to get back to the office because that's where our culture is. Uh, and a lot of ways, that's just leaders being lazy and saying, hey, I, did, I didn't have to do anything before. And now I'm having to do something. Um, because when you, tell, you put up four walls around people and you throw them all in a room, they're going to build culture. Like It's just going to happen. They're going to have their own ways of doing things. They're going to have shared memories. They're going to have history together. They're going to build these routines and rituals together. But in a digital platform, those don't naturally happen. So you have to kind of go back and, and be intentional uh, in terms of how you build that. We often use the metaphor and the analogy of the difference between being a forest manager and being a gardener. Like if you're a forest manager, your job is mostly just to sit there and not do anything because the forest kind of takes care of itself. There, there's a few times you need to step in and, and take action if there's some bug that's going through the whole forest and, and different things. But for the most part, it, it's, it's mostly trying to contain things. You're not being super active on a day-to-day -day basis. But a gardener has to be very active at the start. There's like nothing there. You have to plant everything. You have to uh, make sure the ground is ready for it. Choose the right plants. Choose which ones are going to go together. Plant them water them, fertilize them, weed them, uh, all sorts of things. And we feel like being a, a digital leader in these places and being intentional, you have to have that gardening mindset. Nothing's going to grow unless you plant it. Um, so that's where we think about being intentional from a digital workplace standpoint is that we do really require a lot more from leaders in, in digital environments than we did when we just kind of threw people together in an office. Well, I know you talk to leaders. Are you, do you think this is happening? Because I think about the pandemic, it hasn't really been intentional. It's just been, yeah. let's get this done, right? Yeah. So do you have examples of companies that are doing it well? Yeah, totally. Um, I, to, to your point, I think a lot of people aren't doing it. Um, they're just kind of expecting, they're kind of hold, holding their breath yeah. and just assuming that, okay, one day it's going to get back to normal the way it was. 
And then I don't have to worry about all this stuff and I can have all this pressure off me. But the, the people I do talk to on my show are those who are being actually intentional about, about what it means to, to build it back. Um, productivity is one of the key topics that we, we discuss um, about like how that transitions from in-person to a, a digital environment. Because a lot of times productivity is measured when you're in the office based on just like, were you there? Like, did you show up? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were there for eight hours a day, you can really get by for a couple of weeks without really doing much. And uh, it's going to take a while for somebody to really notice that there's a difference. Um, but that kind of intentionality to step back and say, okay, I'm not going to put time tracking software on my employees um, uh, machines just to make sure that they're logged in and they have that presenteeism. I'm going to shift to more of a, an, an output based approach to seeing, okay, what did you actually get done? What were the objectives you achieved during this time? That, that type of intentionality like takes a lot of work. And only the, the leaders that we feel like are, are really what we call level five leaders are really thinking about that and giving that productivity to be, just say productivity is not about necessarily about hours you worked, but about, did you really do a good job today? Like, did you get the, the thing that you wanted to get done? And coming up with new ways to, to think about that and rejecting some of the old mindsets. Well, is there a company that comes to mind that is doing things you think are creative or useful? Yeah, uh, there's a lot that I've talked to. Uh, I really like um, um, one company I talked to called Nonprofit Megaphone. Um, they are uh, really a digital first company. Um, that's they uh, similar to a lot of these stories. Um, when they started off pre-pandemic, um, it was just kind of a side hustle uh, for a guy and a, a, a partner of his. And eventually, it kind of grew and grew until I was like, okay, this is more. And then they they were actually already a little bit remote, and they just decided to stick with it just to see what happens. So the way that they are able to, I think culture is, is one thing that people talk about a lot, just saying like, hey, we got to get back in the office because that's where our culture is. They, when you ask them, like, what's your culture like? They don't think, oh, you know, well, we built a company, but we don't have a culture because we're, we're all digital. Like they don't think like that. They just, it's part of who they are. And so they've built things into their, their routines. So there's th- certain things they do every week, um, thankful Thursday type things where everyone's posting something new that's there. Um, when, whenever travel requirements or travel restrictions weren't there, they did get together once a year, um, just mm-hmm. to kind of have, have events where they, they could, um, enjoy each other, rethinking what it means to have that physical space, I think is really important too. So I, I like what they've done, um, as they approach different things. Um, there's another company here, um, that, that's, this near us called uh, GoodellNet. Uh, I like the way they, they approach productivity. They pretty much thrown out traditional measures out the window in terms of like how much, how many hours did you get done uh, for different things? It's all about, you know, what, what did you accomplish? Like what were the objectives that you set out for yourself and, and how were you able to do it? So like that, it's really fun to get to talk to people that think deeply about this and have actually put in um, the metrics that are required to do it. Another word you've used is agency. How do you define that one? Hey, agency means you have the power to make your own decisions. And in pre-digital worlds, um, that was extremely limited because there are only so many options people could give you. Um, there's only so many ways you can make a form look or so many options when you got into the, the office, here was your choice of chair. Like that was it. Um, a- agency really means to be able to step back and say like, there, there are lots of options for people out there to be able to think about how they wanna work. And it's gonna look a little bit different for everyone else. The one size fits all mentality like when you've got 100,000 people working in one office, you kind of have to apply that in, in some ways. But when you think digitally, you realize that you don't really have to do those things. You can customize things for people and give them the choice about what they want to do. 
um, how often they want to be in a particular office. And sometimes that agency is, is about individuals and sometimes it's about teams too, uh, to be able to say, hey, you know, especially in this discussion about getting back to work, back to office type things that we're in now, you're seeing this tension between, okay, do we as an entire company mandate everybody come in five days or three days or two days or whatever it is? Or do we push that decision back to the, the leaders of the teams or, or let the teams decide on the, by themselves? And over and over, you see the example that the more agency you give to people, the more they understand, hey, this is my decision. This is my role. I understand what I'm responsible for and what I'm accountable for. They make good decisions. Like that's, that's another big thing we feel like moving from you know, industrial age to, to digital age is recognizing that we're all adults. Like you don't have to treat everyone like a child or like a machine. But most of the time, people are going to make a good decision. It's interesting you bring up teams because that's something I think has been difficult during the pandemic. I think some team leaders think I can't do this when I never see these people. Others, as you say, have done this for a long time before the pandemic. What kind of adjustments are you seeing there? Yeah, I, I, I think it's been really difficult on, on people who come from a traditional team leader mindset because usually you're in, you're in the same location as everybody else. You see what's going on. So collaboration is like happening instantaneously. You, if you need something, everyone's right there. If you need to have a meeting, you just call it and everyone's there. So to shift from that to stepping back and realizing, oh, the only time we're going to have a meeting is when we call it, we prepare it ahead of time. There's no more impromptu meetings. Um, that, that puts a lot more pressure on people. And it puts more, a lot more pressure on types of collaboration uh, because you can't just call a meeting for everything. Um, that, that's another big shift we see from one age to the next age is that we used to just, meetings were the way we collaborated. Now we have so many options. We have, you know, you can do a text message, you can do an audio message, uh, you can do a video call with somebody. Um, you can post something in an asynchronous thread or post something in a synchronous tool. Um, and it, it takes a lot of skill to be able to navigate that and to create agreements with your team to say, this is where we're going to post this kind of information. This is the type of response and how quickly I expect you to respond when it's in this one at this time. Um, there's all sorts of levels of, of complexity when it comes to it. So I think that's that's one of the big challenge for leaders is to recognize how much work they have to put in to getting the, the collaboration game right. And then the other piece is, is kind of like we talked about just in terms of helping to lead people. Um, when, you're, when you're there all the time, you can see people. Mental health is obviously a big topic that people are talking about these days. And it's one thing when you see somebody every day, you know what they look like, you know what they look like when they're walking in and, and having lunch. And then there's like one little switch in their eye contact and you can sense you know, there's something wrong with them. Something's going on today. But when you're in a situation where you see them once a day or a few times a week and you get them for like 30 minutes at a time, like it's tough to pick up on those things. And people who are very human centric, high touch leaders are, are struggling right now, I think, to figure out how, how do they blend that in? How do they use other ways to pick up on, on how their people are feeling and how they're moving forward? And it's definitely a challenge. Well, it's definitely a different set of people because there was a set of people that succeeded in the old workplace and they were personable, maybe good people skills. They, uh, you know, said hi to everyone when they got in in the morning. It wasn't just about doing the work. And at home, it's much more about doing the work. So you almost have to hire differently. I, I totally agree that there is a difference. Um, the digital world is optimized for a different skill set. Um, I would say that the people who excel in, in digital worlds are those who like prefer written communication. Um, they, they like just to type things out. They don't like to talk as much. Uh, for people who tend to be more introverted, I would say, 
um, that's they they maybe like people but don't need it all the time. Like just a little bit, it's enough for them um, that they can do that. And those who are are pretty mature in their career mm-hmm. and, and know what's expected of them, like they know what they're good at. Just let them do their work. They're fine. Get the job done. Like that is the ideal digital worker. Someone on the other side who really thrives and, and has to have the energy of, of being around other people, they're going to suffer and they're going to find it very difficult. Somebody who's still in the early parts of their career, who needs to be exposed to lots of different things and, and understand and lots of mentors and, and being seeing people around them, they're going to suffer. And people who really don't have a, an office set up around them at home or a place to really go are also going to suffer. So it, it's, it's definitely a mistake to say, hey, Digital is better for everybody. We should just all work from home. Like that's not going to work that way. And you're going to find, I think that it's going to become one of the first things people look to when they're looking for a new job. It's not so much about, okay, what are the hours or, or what, what's the location? But like, first, is it, is it remote or is it distributed or is it in person? And then, then let's talk about salary and let's talk about job responsibility and things like that. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned younger workers. This is something I see again and again. If you're older, you have kids at home, you don't need the commute. And, you know, the relationships, you know how to make them work, perhaps without seeing everybody every day. But for younger workers, you do need the mentorship, as you say, and you maybe need the personal relationships. I mean, you get to know people going out with them and everything else. Are companies making an effort to distinguish between kinds of workers and give each one what they need? Because it's not all the same. Yeah, I've not seen a lot. I've had I've had probably two conversations in, in most of the podcasts that have done about this particular topic. And I think it, it does need to be discussed um, because as people are coming in, especially right out of college, especially those who their, their final years of college were in a pandemic setting. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't get that college experience they were looking for. Um, there, there was a lot more, they were at home. Maybe they're, they're likely still living with their parents' house. And then going to your first job where you're still maybe in the room you grew up in, like that's where you're doing your work, where you were eight years old in your pajamas, like jumping off your bunk beds. And now you're suddenly in a professional setting trying to do work. Like that's a tough transition. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like you need that space to be in a corporate setting or in an office setting uh, to where you, you, you sense, okay, I am different. Like this is, this is something new. So I, I would love to see you know, it's, it's tough because we're, we're, you know, a year and a half into the pandemic and no one's planned for this. No one was ready for it when it, when it came forward, really. And we haven't had that, that chance to say, this isn't typical remote work, like typical distributed work means like you have a social life, like you can get out and do all sorts of stuff normally, but that's also been all taken away too. So I I don't fault necessarily companies for, for not having a, a solid plan in right now. Um, but it's definitely something in the next few years, you need to think about that. If you're hiring especially fresh graduates, uh, people who are coming through, what is the experience they really need? Even though you'd like to offer them a remote position, you might need to, if, the, if that's the people you, you tend to hire a lot of, have some kind of cohort system where they can be in the same place with each other and not, not just with each other, but with other leaders so they can see uh, people as they're coming through. So yeah, I think it's an important point that we don't talk enough about. I mean, I've heard tiny bits of it where companies will sometimes say people in the same neighborhood, they encourage them to do meetings close together or a bit of that, but not enough. I mean, something else you've kind of mentioned here, uh, but I know it's something you've written about too, is the value of time Mm -hmm. in the newer office. What is that? Yeah, this is for me, like what the the biggest revelation over the last uh, 18 months has been how important time is. Time really is like the, the finite resource that we have. Uh, especially when you you see 
um, you know, like money going out, checks going out to everybody and also trillion dollar budgets. It's like, eventually you realize, okay, money's just a thing. Like it's just, you need it. You need to be able to use it and to go through it, but there's always some way to get it available and you can generate more if you need to. But time is not like that. Uh, and time is the one thing that, that we, we don't have left um, if, if you waste it. And I think a lot of people are, are rethinking that now. And I, you see that with what we're calling the great resignation now, mm-hmm. when people are getting that email that says, hey, we're back to office. Like you got to step back and realize, hey, is it worth it for me? Like I only get one life to live. Um, this is the time I get. And maybe I don't want to wait until I'm 70 to be able to enjoy my life and be able to enjoy these things. So is there another way to go forward with it? Uh, I'm really respecting people's times. Um, it's, it's very sad. I think there may be a day in the future when we view it as almost barbaric that we forced people to work 80 hour weeks or people even chose to work that long. It's like, why, why would you do that? Unless like some of you were like being forced to do that. Um, the, the idea that, that that's how you would want to use all of your time. I mean, there's obviously a lot of value in work and a lot of people really enjoy that and are fulfilled by that. I don't know anyone who's fulfilled by a a hundred hour work week though. Um, I think we all kind of have a, a good medium of things that are going on there. You're seeing right now, even one trending thing is like the four day work week mm-hmm. say, which that, that was a, a really big idea. I, I first interviewed a guy named Andrew Barnes, who um, was down in New Zealand, who started this at his company. And the, the concept that we went from six to five, like that happened. We the, it used to be like a six day work week. And then sometime around the early 20th century, they switched it and said, okay, Saturdays are also off now. Um, it was in the fifties for company for factories. Some of them were still doing six days in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the fact of like realizing, Hey, we can change this if we want to, like we've done it before. And there, there is a, a push to say, Hey, 32 hours should be full time and, and that should be fine. And we should be able to earn the same amount of money for working less and just imagine, okay, what would you do with an extra day, uh, to be able to, to do things that, that you want to and recognize all, all those types of things. Like that opens up that idea of the importance of time and about how valuable it is to spend time the way you want to. That is such a huge cultural leap. And I, I've written about this too, whatever. But to be honest, in lots of companies, you're working all the time. It's not 32 hours or 40 hours or 50, whenever you need to work, right? Yeah. So it's a very hard discussion to have outside of some very set roles, set jobs where you know people are paid by the hour. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's an important one to think about though. Like it's like, is this is this and this is the, the core question that I'd like to bring up on my show of, of the digital workplace. Like, is it worth it? Like, are we look around? Like, we've got a lot of stuff. We've got a lot of things. We have a lot of opportunities. Like, how do we want to enjoy this? Do we want to just keep working as hard as we can? Maybe, maybe we need more, but that, that's also a trap too. We, there's, there's always going to be more to go off and get and more to demand of people and more to bring in. If we can bring in a little bit more of a attitude to say like, you know, th- this was enough, like I did enough this week, or, you know, I get to, to Friday and my kids want to go off and, and have a bike ride and maybe I haven't finished everything I wanted to get done or haven't quite worked until that, that one time slot, just to be like, it's okay. Like I'll, I'll go do that. If I need to make it up later, I will. Or if I don't make it up later, it's also okay. Like just to have that more humane approach to, to life and things. And I realize that there, there are limits to that. You can't apply that everywhere, but the more we can apply that in places that we can, I think we're a better off as a society. 
Do you think there's, I mean, given that you talk to leaders all the time, do you think there's an acknowledgement of this, that perhaps workers do want this more? Uh, because when I look at what's out there, is it Goldman Sachs this week, investment bank, who said, yes, the interns are unhappy, they're working 80 hours, we're going to pay them more. It's like, well, that yeah. just kind of misses the point, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw well, that. I think there's a lot of missing the point out there. Yeah, totally. And I think, like, I would love to have that discussion to be like, hey, uh, we're working too much. Like, okay, work less. Like, here's here's the, the plan. And if I mean, if we're looking to investment bankers to, to set our society norms for, for working, like, we're, we're already lost. So they should be, they're the laggards. Like, they should be the last ones we look to uh, for these types of things. But I, I would love to, to see an environment where it's like, I'm not negotiating necessarily for more pay. I'm negotiating for more time off. Or I'm negotiating for more, uh, again, more autonomy over, over what, what hours I work. And even situations, and like you said, you can't apply it everywhere, but situations where you can say, hey, what do you expect out of me from this job? What's the objective? I'll get it done when I get it done. Like if it takes me a day uh, per week, that's great. You don't care. I got the objective done. If it takes me six days, then I need to work about like how I can do that better and how I can train myself or partner in with technology too. That's another discussion we, we should have about like the role of technology and how we should see it as an enabler and how we can can use that to, to further what, what it means for humans to work. Okay, so let's say this pandemic ends. Like, I'm very optimistic that'll happen. Okay. And there's some, you know, decisions made about whether people go back to the office or don't go back to the office. Where do you think we're going to be in five years? Man, I, I, I wish I had more hope for what the, the normal uh, part of society would be. I, I think my prediction would be that I can have four different buckets I put companies in. One is in traditional five days a week, um, eight to five plus, you know, whatever hours are there. And you got to be there. You got to be at the right time. Then you have on the other far side, you have totally distributed um, both in terms of time and place uh, in terms of like you work when you want, uh, you work from where you want to on that side. Um, and then you have kind of this, this middle area where you have almost two options. One is, okay, we still have a physical location and we have an office that's there, but we're going to give you a little bit more flexibility over um, the decisions you had before. And then on the, the third option maybe is that, okay, we've, we don't really have a physical location or it's one that we just use on occasion. People get together once in a while, um, but that, that, that kind of becomes the, the third option. I, I think that in five years, um, if, if most of us during the pandemic had to shift over to option three or four, I think most companies go back to one, uh, most companies are going to try to go back there, but there will be this expectation from workers that you need to give us a little bit more flexibility. Um, but because that's not going to be well-defined, it's just going to be like, okay, people say, let's do hybrid work. Okay, great hybrid. But we don't really say what that means. Like it's not clearly defined. Are we all working the same days? Are we all going to be in the office the same days or all working the same times? It, it's going to, you said five years. And I think in two years, people are going to get so frustrated and fed up. When I say people, it's mostly like managers and leaders and these, these teams that are in the office. They're going to say, I'm not working with hybrid folks anymore. Uh, it's, it's stressful. I have to do things both ways. Uh, I don't want any more of that. We're going back to the way it was before. I think you're going to see a lot of that in the next two or three years. And by five years, that'll kind of settle in. And then there'll be more and more companies that that will find some kind of clarity uh, in terms of what hybrid means for them and push that way. Um, the, the remote first digital companies are going to keep doing what they're doing. You'll see a few more trickle in. I, I don't really see a huge rush towards that model. Um, I, I see maybe everyone's going to take, we took like five steps this way and we're going to take four steps back 
uh, to where we were. So they'll, they'll still be the, the mainstream work culture will still be very similar to what it was before, just with a little bit more flexibility. But I really hope, and the companies I like to talk to are in that kind of third model that are willing to take that big leap to explore what it means to, to really kind of see space and time as just um, uh, additions and, and features of the company rather than the core headquarters. Neil, thanks so much for talking to me today. Yeah, it's been a blast. I've enjoyed it. You've asked some great questions, Linda, so I appreciate that. Awesome. Neil Miller is the host of the podcast, The Digital Workplace. Well, that's it for today. If you do want to find out more about Neil and about his podcast, please check out our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at Relentless Eco. Now, if you did like this discussion about the future of work, I'm going to ask a favor. Please take a moment and leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. That's how people find us. And if they find us, it will really help us continue these discussions about the future of work. Thank you so much for listening today. And thanks, as always, to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. 